Listening to This Is Ibrox, your weekly Rangers podcast. Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas. Enjoy the meeting tonight. We have the familiar faces of Scott Patterson, William Irwin, and Thomas McIntyre. Gentlemen, good evening. Mm-hmm. Now, the podcast is available to view on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash This Is Ibrox, and on our website at thisisibrox.co.uk. It's also available on a multitude of podcast platforms. Uh, do, 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 do. Tommy. Oh, I was giving you the eyes there. Don't ask me. Don't go. It's available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and the internet. <laughs> oh, that's class. That's a great answer, yeah, by the way. Answer. There you go. There you go. I've, I've not been practicing that in my cement dungeon or anything like that this week. But, uh, there we go. I'm one for one. That's as good as it gets for me. You did forget. Here's the toy. You did forget, though, on whatever platform it's available. If you could leave us a five star review, that would be much appreciated. Helps us grow the podcast and get it out there to as many bears as possible. Absolutely. Also, good my apologies. That's why I'm the host. Yes. Also, if you head to the website at thisisibooks.co.uk, you'll also see information on our Just Given page in aid of the Rangers Charity Foundation. We're doing 114 articles in 30 days, and we're also doing a fitness um, charity thing, which I'm not 100% sure of because I stayed well away from it. Um, <laughs> Adam's doing sit-ups, and I think Billy is doing uh, the cross-trainer. Actually, yeah. that as well, so... Yeah, well, well done, the guys. Doing very well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for all the information on that and more, you can head over to our social pages as well on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. <clears throat> right, gentlemen, I'm struggling this week slightly with a wee cold. Um, so I'm going to let you do most of the talking, because normally I do most of the talking. Um, but we're going to start this week with... Uh, <laughs> Is that the kind of cold you pick up down the docks? Um, <laughs> I am saying absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I'm terribly sorry. We might want to cut, want to cut that out later. No, no. I, I'm up for the slagging. Don't worry about it. Um, but we're going to start this week on some uh, absolutely brilliant news that broke today, Scott, and that's the news that Brian Loudrop has finally overcame his 10-year battle with cancer. Yeah, I mean, really, really good news for the Rangers support. I think he's a player who everyone remembers fondly from his time in Glasgow. And I, I think... When you put it in the in a greater picture, we've spent a lot of time in the podcast recently speaking about former players who have who have passed away down to down to illnesses they've had. Um, it's really good to to tonight have the the news confirmed that um, he's got it all clear and he's he's good to go. So great news for Brian Loudrop, and um, I'm sure I, I speak on behalf of other Rangers fans in the country to say, well done. It was a a fight certainly worth fighting. Well done, Brian Loudrop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's the best player I've ever seen pull on a Rangers jersey. I just, he was not nicknamed Godrop for a reason, you know, just <laughs> an, an absolutely incredible footballer that I feel very lucky to have watched him play in my younger days. And if I ever see a better player than Loudrop, then the guy's going to be pretty special. So absolutely delighted that after 10 years, he's managed to get a, go over the battle and here's the many good years ahead. 
Yeah, hard to add anything to what the guys have said there, and you know because he's 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 beaten it and cancer affects everybody's lives in one way, shape or another. It's uh, I think because it's such a good news story, we can probably be slightly more uh, uh, trite now about it and humorous and say that he probably dropped the shoulder, sent cancer one way, and went past it and stuck it in the back of the net as well. Because uh, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if his bloodstream was able to do that as well. Listen, guy beats cancer. It's a good news story every single day of the week. And the fact that it's a hero of ours, it's even better. Fantastic news. Fantastic. And also, I don't know if you've noticed, but in his picture, he still looks good. He's still a handsome day. Ridiculous. I don't even know how it's possible. I genuinely don't. Because yeah. um, I'm about 20 years younger than him. I look about 50 years older than him. Well, I think, um, I think, <laughs> and I, I read this somewhere, and... You know, I'm not going to disagree with you, Martin, because you do. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, I I did read somewhere that uh, I think his uh, kind of beauty regime or regimen is uh, bathing kind of daily in uh, Tom Boyd's tears. Tom Boyd's face has never recovered. I don't think. His mind is those have never recovered through what he did to him. Ah, his mind is just like a gif. Machine oh. produced, which is Brian Loutrop running on it, and then the words EBT over and again, <laughs> them over the edge. And uh, <laughs> right, an investigation get into his comments by the PFL, isn't there? Ah, there'll be an outcome in 2030, probably. Aye, exactly. When we're all we're doing this podcast as part robot, part human yeah. uh, at that point in time, you know, <laughs> probably still talking about Brian Loutrop looking like an absolute god. baby god, you know, remember because he's not aged. You may want to cut that part about me calling another man a demigod as well. <laughs> I'm always, I don't know what's in this tea this, uh, this evening, but let's carry on. Let's carry on. You have to hide that cup because it's not flattering colours. It is. It's red and white. Right, and so... I'm, and I'm drinking, I don't know, what's a blue drink? Somebody help me. Mad dog. I think the fact, yeah, I think the fact that I had to ask, I don't think I'm going to go with my dog. I don't think that would land <laughs> well with the listeners. I don't think anybody would believe you. Right, so before we get um, stuck into the Dundee United game, because I'm sure you've got plenty to say on it, I thought we would just have a wee quick recap of the whole international break. And Wally, I'll come to you first. And is the f- <clears throat> when was the last time actually we had 15 players going out on international duty and not just to play for the Scotland B team? Yeah, it's been a while, to be fair. I think it's something that we've obviously managed to build up the quality over the last two years under Gerard in particular. You know, when you look at the squad, it's definitely stronger. You know, even the bench at the weekend there, you saw the quality coming off the bench. The fact we could actually look at the bench and think, you know, that player can make a difference, and they did. I actually watched both the games for Finland. Um, just I wanted to see a wee bit more of Kamara, and I thought he was outstanding, especially the second game against Ireland. He was outstanding. And he played that little bit higher up the pitch as as an eight, I suppose you would call them these days. And he was very good. You know, his ability to get forward, to open up the defence, his movement, his touch. He's, he's just such a good footballer. I think it's actually kind of disappointing that there is still some fans out there that don't think he's that he's good enough. See, when you watch this guy and what he does at international level, his next move for Rangers could be a very, very good one because you think he could fit into so many teams, especially in the continent. He would be perfect for maybe like a league in Spain or Germany, Portugal. 
but his natural technical ability is absolutely fantastic. Well, there's a lot of people, I think, when Kamara and Jack played together, there's a lot of um, comments about the midfield doesn't do enough. But Scott, when you bring Stephen Davis into that, whether he's playing beside Jack or, <clears throat> excuse me, Kamara, it seems to make a big, massive difference. And also talking about internationalists, he's, he's breaking all sorts of records for Northern Ireland. Davis is a fantastic week. I, I think that um, I was actually a big critic of Davis, particularly when he came back. I, I didn't think it was a, a particularly good move, but he certainly made me look like a donkey. Um, he's had a fantastic week. It's not hard week. to be fair, Scott. He's had a fantastic week. Looked really good um, in both the Northern Ireland games um, and, and really played out his skin at the weekend as well, almost in his slippers. Step ahead of everyone else in the pitch, as far as I was concerned. Played really, really well. Um, but for him to equal the, um, the Pat Jennings record and still... Look like he has another maybe another couple of years in him. He's he's going to smash that record. He's going to absolutely smash that record. Um, we're lucky to have him back at the club, frankly. And let's let's be honest. Wally was only watching that game so he could watch Shane Duffy. Let's let's be brutally <laughs> honest. But but Tommy, bringing a, a kind of a bigger question to you. <clears throat> I'm struggling with this cold tonight, lads. I think you're going to need to take over, Tommy. Um, uh, nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants that. International football in general for you, is it still as appealing as it once was? Well, that's quite a simple one. No, it's not. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, I was quite, quite happy with that, actually. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just the way you phrased it. You phrased it so well for me. Thank you, host. No, it's not. Before I dig into that, because obviously I'm going to dig into it. But before I dig into it, um, that Ryan Jack, Brian Kamara conversation. The better footballer is Glenn Kamara, hands down. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that should actually be a, an argument, uh, if I was being brutally honest. It's just a case of, was Kamara able to continually, consistently do it in the Scottish game? I think sometimes that's still a wee bit open for debate. But is he technically better than Ryan Jack? Yes. If you had to pick one of them, I suppose that's a wider question we might touch on later. If I was forced with a gun in my head that I could only have one in the squad, I might actually find myself going for Glenn Kamara, uh, mm-hmm. to be brutally honest. And I think he's. I think uh, so. I think it might have been Scott who said it. I think when he's or William, my apologies, guys. Um, when his move does come, it will be a pretty big move. You get players who perform well in Scotland, and then you get the players who are looked at by other teams who say they could do really well in another league. Glen Kamara falls into that second bracket. He will go to a big league, and he'll go to a decent team. In my opinion, and uh, what is he? Twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get a, you know, what I mean, he's got. I was going to say he's got the world at his feet, but um, cliche bingo. Scott's already beat me to it with uh, playing in his slippers for Stephen Davis, so I'm not going <laughs> down that particular route. Uh, although to jump in and say I also was critical of Stephen Davis last season as well, where he's made me look like a bit of a donkey as well. So at least there's two horses' arses. Um, <laughs> but on this on this podcast, and before anybody pulls make me make it free. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, you're getting included as well, right? It's four cheeks, <laughs> four cheeks right? Up and, down, up and down this thing, right? And before anybody gets on to me on Twitter and points out that I said donkeys and then horses' asses are two different things, I know that, right? But, right, okay, because I do get the odd DM that points out some of my um, full pads. Anyway, back to your original question, which was something to do with international football, which I try to instantly forget, much like international football itself. I think there used to be that 
it was, and maybe it still is for players, right? But it used to be for fans as well, it was matched, that the pinnacle of your, your game was getting your club players into your national team and your national team going to a national tournament. I think that's probably a fair you know, bracket analogy, right? It's a bit loose, right? Because you always want to win trophies, European trophies with your, with your club, right? Now there's so much football, both at a domestic and international level, Half the internationals, I know they changed it and you get the Nations League and stuff like that. It's hard to get excited about, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. I get more excited about the fact that I might have a lukewarm bath later on, uh, as opposed the to... The Nations League, sorry, Tommy. The Nations League are just glorified friendlies, I'm sorry. No, no. I, I, think, you're, I think by and large you're right. You know, it was supposed to be a drip down to allow smaller clubs to get a chance to go to larger tournaments that they were always getting knocked out of. Scotland being one of those smaller nations. <laughs> um but yeah, and then add on top of that the, and I'm trying to do this fast this week, but then add on top of that the particular circumstances of um, how we've been treated, but by we, I mean Rangers and Rangers fans, treated by the national team, treated by the current national manager, our players treated when they're there, the fact that it's fashionable to slate Rangers players and stuff like that. And then on top of that, the fact that we're absolutely rank rotten and we've not been to a tournament ever, uh, you know, and ever and ever, it hardly makes for a big, you know, sexy, oh, I can't wait to watch a Scotland game. You know, simple as that. It's, it's died a death. The only time, there you go, the only time that international football really sexes me up is the Copa America, the Euros, World Cup. Out with that, I, I think there's paint drying on my other wall here. I'll be back to you in half an hour. Can I, can I just come in on something? Sorry, Tommy was, has picked up on the fact that there's obviously a, there's a, break in the relationship largely just now with the Rangers fans and Scottish football if you like and the SFA and the way the team is picked etc I'll give you a scenario John McLaughlin's came up here in the summer Mm -hmm. and played out of his skin now you could argue till you're blue in the face the opposition he's had but he's made a few really good saves why did he not start one of these games last week Good point, Scott. Very good point. Well, I was going to bring it to Scotland in a minute, but I was and I was going to stick with international football in general, Scott, because you know how I like to stick to an agenda. Aye, absolutely. And you've well, just went in there with your big moby head and remixed it all. Segway that. Yeah, but, well... I'll, let me interject in a second. <laughs> um, so my, my, my terrible apologies. I just want to catch myself and challenge myself on something I said there, which is, you know, we might have a little regard for national football, but we can't have it both ways. And I'm, I'm having a go at myself as well here, because at the same point, we say it's great to see Rangers with 15 international players going out in international duty. So it's, it does still have an impact on a player's value. So it might not be sexy, but depending on who they are, it's, it's a path of the course that has an impact on the resale values. And so, you know, lie with the devil and all that type of stuff. Well, Willie, is it easy for us as Scottish people to go, okay, you know, international football doesn't have the same magic, mysteriousness about it anymore because, let's be brutally honest, Scotland are shite, right? So is it easy for us to sit back and go, well, international football doesn't have the same significance where if you asked somebody in Brazil or Argentina or even down south, they might have a far more vested interest in international football. Yeah, well, I think over the last 10 years in particular, the standard has dropped, mm-hmm. which has meant the national team has got poorer. And I think possibly some of the choices of manager haven't been particularly great. I mean, like, it's no offence to Steve Clark. I don't think he's a bad football manager by any stretch of the imagination, but I think his time in Scotland, he was very much seen as somebody who 
was a very defensive manager who was looked to counter attack on teams. And when you see it in a Scotland team, it, it just doesn't look great. You know, I watched a tiny bit of the Czech Republic game, maybe like 10, 15 minutes of it. And considering that was their like backup, backup team, it was poor. You know, to put a midfielder at centre back, to to have to call up like Lyndon Dykes. And it's no offense to Lyndon Dykes. I mean, he's obviously got a good move to QPR, but is this really where we are now that we're having to get a guy who like a year and a half ago wasn't really that well known to anybody? Now he's like probably the first choice striker for Scotland. Yeah. I guess I find it strange from his positioning and things like that as well. And I do feel as though we do have better players now than we have had maybe in the last few years. Like, I mean, there's quality, there's guys playing in the English Premier League. Um, but even going back to Scott's point, I was stunned that John McLaughlin wasn't in goals. Mm-hmm. Given that David Marshall had left Wigan, I don't even know if he'd played a pre-season game. Yep. But I mean, the manager will just come out and say, well, he did well for me in previous internationals, that's why I picked him. So there's no point in arguing about it. It's just frustrating that like John McLaughlin goes away for the two games, doesn't he get a minute? Robbie was probably never going to play anyway, so that was, just for his point of view, getting away was good for him. Ryan obviously played some of the first game, I believe. Didn't really do much in the second game, but he was part of the, you know, the players that come on, etc. So, I think these days more than often I'll probably watch another international team before I watch Scotland, and that's nothing to do with how like the Tartan Army have kind of criticised Scotland uh, Rangers players and things like that. I just I probably get more joy out of watching Spain or Holland or Portugal or somebody else playing than I do Scotland. Um, and that will probably be this way for the next 10, 15, 20 years unless we dramatically improve. Well, the sad thing is the Czech Republic had a guy, obviously due to the, the COVID circumstances, had a guy playing who retired four years ago. <laughs> Sad people like us bringing back James McFadden. But Stevie <laughs> Clark ideas? Well, Scott, Stevie Clark, right? The, the, those two games, Israel and Czech Republic, I know you're not a, a great fan of the national team. Yep. Um, but if that's an Alex McLeish in charge of the two games, bombed. All we're hearing in the media is get him out, echo, echo, echo. Now, I made a point of listening to BBC Radio Sports Round after the game. And there was de- there was defence of Steve Clark on that show. The only person who was standing up going, what are you talking about is Tom English. And that's unusual in itself as well. Um, I think, I don't know, I, I, I think I actually think Clark, I think Willie's sort of alluded to earlier on, I think Clark's actually a decent coach. Um, and I've said for a long time, I think there's a huge difference between being a uh, a coach and uh, a first-team manager. These guys are getting, uh, from a national perspective, they're getting the players together maybe once every three months for a period of four or five days. So what they do in that period of time is really, really important. Um, and I actually think well, that's where it, it kind of fell on the arse a little bit for Alex McLeish because I, I think he's a almost a better manager than he is a coach. And when he, he wasn't getting the players for a longer period of time, that was why everything sort of fell down a little bit for him. Um, I agree with you. I think if if it was, if McLeish, for example, was in charge, maybe even Gordon Strachan um, was in charge, and um, those two performances were played out in the manner that they were, I think they would have been given an absolute doing. Um, 
come the the sort of second game was finished, I, th- I think they would have found it really, really hard to to keep their job. Personally, as somebody who's still, for some unknown reason, follows Scotland and and likes to see them win, it's uh, the two games were horrific. But just finally on this end, Tommy. Um, with the appointment of Steve Clark, I just got the manager. Have we seen the kind of performances and results that you would expect to see for a Kilmarnock manager who largely played 11 men behind the wall and had a wee break every now and then on a horrible plastic pitch? By and large, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me, I seem to have picked up that sore throat from you, Martin. Travelled right through the mic. I, I, exactly. Um, reminds me of a brass eye episode. Um, <laughs> so... <clears throat> Um, there's a reference for anybody who's ever watched that, but uh, yeah, but by and by and large, that that's absolutely correct. You know, I, I'm with the guys as well. You know, I might not particularly like Steve Clark as a person or some of his uh, the way he's went about his work, comporting himself professionally, personally. Um, but he's he's well regarded in the game. He was certainly well regarded for well down south. You know, at Chelsea and stuff like this. Um, he, he obviously knows his stuff. That's you know, beyond beyond question. You could make that argument that's being made there that the difference between a coach and and a first team manager, and in particular with the circumstances of international football, where you get the players for a very limited amount of time, and you have to get over all that message to them. And the message will be, you know, by and large, what it was like. Come on, not hit them on the break, you know, play behind, suck it up, smoke them, move it forward really quickly. It's not what you want to see, but also there's a bit of. Uh, realism there in terms of Scotland have some good players I would argue they don't exactly have a really really good squad once you start to look at certain parts of the pitch, uh, the forward line is a bit bare uh, some of the midfield posts you know, back and forward and then really what people look at in terms of a real gambit is we seem to have a reasonable parts of our defence and by that I'm saying you know, got Scott McKenna who's a reasonable centre back, he is You've got somebody like a John McLaughlin who could play in goal. You've got uh, Kieran Tierney when he's, when he's fit. You know, I'm not knocking, he's a good player. You've got Andy Robertson, obviously, being, being the star. And then you start to move it about, really, you're looking at you know, James Forrest and, and that, that type of stuff as well. There's a couple of players running about the squad. Could that squad get better and do something? Yes, it could. I suppose if I reword your question, is Steve Clark the manager to get the best out of the forward players? in Scotland jerseys and make us an attacking team, my absolute take on that would be no. Who replaces them? Who wants the job? You know, it's, uh, I think Scotland, as we well know, is a parochial wee country, so it's always about how you, you know, who you know, right? which is why you only get Tom English, for example, Tam mm. Angley, um, defending, or sorry, having a go at him, where the rest of BBC, whatever they're called, um, you know, defend them to, to the blue in the face. Well, not blue in the face, obviously, that'd be, that wouldn't be part or of the... the green in the part. face. Yeah, that, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, and he'll get away with that in ways that Alex McLeish never did because the headline writers will back him up and the majority of people read their, their stories and stuff like that. But, yeah, you're not going to see a hell of a lot of sexy football. I mean, Israel and the Czech Republic, by and large, is what you're going to see. We might turn up and we'll beat a, an Andorra or a Faroe Islands by a good couple of goals and that'll be it. You know, oh, we're ready. We're ready to roll now. We're not. And until somebody comes along who's got a coherent plan, who understands how to get the best out of the limited players that we have, just get used to it. You know, we are out in the frozen fringes of international football. It'll take a while to 
circle that sun and get back inside it. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's as simple as that. So yeah, strap yourself in and get used to it. I've seen something uh, as well last week. I think, I mean, if we we play Israel, I think, is, is it later this month we play Israel? And a playoff, I think. And then um, we beat them, we play Norway. <laughs> well, that, that's what I was going to say. So Scott McKenna should be having nightmares right now about coming up against that boy, Haaland, because he'll absolutely rip him to ribbons if we get that far. And there's a there's a huge quality difference. And I don't care. What, I don't want us to turn into a debate about how quality in Scandinavian football is better than ours. Norway are better than Scotland. Blah, 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 blah. It's true. There's, there's grassroots issues in Scottish football straight from the bottom, right up to the top. And for as long as it doesn't change, we'll continue to have this faltering national team where a core of the players that are down south that rock up for four days every six months, do what they need to do, and go back down to wherever it is they are. It's just going to be the way moving forward that we need to understand. Hey, listen, we're, we're going to move on for this because this is Martin, a Rangers just podcast. One bookend on it. My, my <laughs> apologies, Martin. Just one bookend on that because I don't want anybody to go away from this podcast thinking anything other than I was not saying in any way, shape or form Scott McKenna was decent nobody take that away from this he's all right and he'll do a decent job he's probably lying in a cold bath right now you know um down in uh, super laggers trying to get himself out of that game Haaland will rip us to shreds we all know that and like i say i do follow scotland and i want them to win right up until the point where we call up lewis ferguson but however Willie, <laughs> oh, we all know my thoughts on Lewis Ferguson. <laughs> Willie, uh, our captain James Tavernier made his 250th appearance for the club against Dundee United on Saturday. And look, there's been criticisms, maybe fairly and unfairly laid at Tavernier's door. But for £250,000, you have to say it has been some buy. Yeah, look, I mean, the Tav's always going to be that kind of player that splits opinion, but I've always been a big fan of his... Pretty much for the day against Hibs when he popped the free kick in the top bin. Yeah, look, Tav's got his, his failings over the period, but what he offers us going forward is, you know, yet again, it's proved almost game on game. Even the game at the weekend here. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a right back here that somehow is standing right in the middle of the six-yard box for Barisic smashing that ball across. Yeah. I mean, there's not many right-backs that are going to get into that position. And it's just, I mean, that's how he is, and that's how the manager wants him to play. You know, the manager wants our two full-backs to be really aggressive, as we say pretty much every time we do these pods. And if people don't see that, then I don't really think they're ever going to understand the game. You know, Tav's ability to get into the 18-yard box, his ability to get beyond players... I mean, at times, Borna and Tav are the two highest players in the pitch. And that's how we want to play continually. But, I mean, on the other side, like, people will just criticise him because maybe at times he's caught out defensively, he gets caught with the ball inside. But that's what you've got to accept when we play that type of football. But in terms of, like, 250 appearances, Rangers captain, I think Tav's been a fantastic servant for the club. And people will probably only really appreciate him when he goes because you really won't find another normal fit that what Tav brings to the team. Um, like for instance, I mean, like if Nathan was to come in to take over for Tav, 
I don't know if Nathan would get quite the amount of goals that Tav's got. You know, he might offer the same amount of assists because he will be aggressive in terms of his attacking play. But I think Tav's got that instinct to be in the right place at the right time in the box. And I don't know if that's something you can necessarily teach somebody to do. So for me, I'm delighted we signed Tav. He's been a great player for the football club. But I suppose the big thing for him and to tip it over the edge would be to win a league title. Aye, aye. You know, if Tav wins a league title, if he won a couple of cups, that would tip it over the edge for me and make Tav a very, very good Rangers player and one that would deserve to be up in the panel along with many other top players. But people will always question the fact that if he doesn't want anything and he leaves, there's always that wee kind of asterisk in the corner saying, well, he never won anything as a Rangers captain. Which obviously for, for any Rangers captain is important, clearly. Well, there's always, there's always going to be that asterisk beside Ian Black, isn't there? Um, but Scott, <laughs> where does Tav sit for you as a right-back? Because... See if we take it all the way back to when we had Alan Hutton. Alan Hutton had six, six, what, six or eight good months at Rangers and went for nine million. So did, where does Tav sit? Because obviously Alan Hutton had <clears throat> unbelievable pace. But if you look at the, the goals that, that Tav's contributed, and I, I personally think a lot of the criticism he gets is really unfair. So where does he sit for you? Mm-hmm. See, this is a difficult one. I've been quite critical right, of him. Tommy, sorry, moving on. <laughs> I was going to give you the exact was So, I was quite critical of him, and, and a couple of times, um, last season, for example, I think it was last season, I can't remember now, you know that, but the, the performance, he had two dodgy games back-to-back, the European game in... Um, I think it was Young Boys, wasn't it? Young Boys, say that. Yeah, the shocker in Switzerland. Don't care what anyone says. Nightmare. The following weekend, he had a nightmare at Tynecastle as well. Um, and it's it's probably unfair to look back on these two things, but I remember that weekend, I gave him an absolute doing. Um, was not happy with him at all. And do you know what I mean? Well, I was nice sort of yelling for him to get the captaincy taken off him. I just thought that it was something that was too heavy in his arm and he could have done with it, sort of going to Goldson for the rest of the season, perhaps. What that does for Tavernier's confidence is a bit of a, no one really knows. I think, and, and James Tavernier, you're looking at a classic player who is um, the modern-day fullback as we know them. So when I've been growing up, I've remembered guys like Gary Stevens. I don't think... James Tavernier is as good a right-back as what Gary Stevens was. Um, he's a better right-back back than Alan Hutton was, but I think what you've got is that he's the modern-day full-back who, from a defensive perspective, isn't really that great. But because of the way that he's playing, he's been asked to play aggressive and high up the pitch. His stats are incredible. I mean, his stats at the weekend, I, I caught what his stats at the weekend, and they're absolutely brilliant. Well, he's absolutely right. The only thing that's missing for, for Tavernier's time up here is a, a cup, like a Scottish Cup or a League Cup. Ultimately, the, the holy grail, if you like, is getting the league medal um, at the end of this season. And it would be really, really good for him to get it this year. It'd be good for him to get it any year, certainly. But I think in the year that he makes his 250th appearance for the club, for him to lift the title um, in May or whenever they decide to end the league this season, um, you would hope he would have the opportunity to do that. Tommy, if Tav left tomorrow, 
right? How would the Rangers fans in the history books look back at him as a player and a captain? It's a really interesting one. Um, I think the fans, much like the... Well, not put the history books to one side. I mean, you're talking about a player here who averages a goal every five games and an assist every 1.3 games, right? I think that's the, that's the stats. Um, and if I use the old Ebby Scovedal stats are like many scuts, you know, they give you great ideas behind the best things. Um, which, to be fair, at any opportunity to roll that statement out, or <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> I will always try and use which is wedged it in there, right? Um, but I think the guys are, you know, largely, largely spot on, so it's hard to add, or rather I won't add anything to, to what they've said there, uh, other than to say until, you know, James Tavenier has silver, he'll always be bronze, so to speak, um, which is still great. And uh, people's minds, you know, you, it's fine being a Rangers captain, you need to win, win something to cement that. And I've been critical of James Tavenier in the past. The point that really interests me is he splits opinion, I think, for a couple of reasons, that he suffered from a bit of the Afe Ambrose syndrome. And Conor Goldson went through it a wee bit as well which is every mistake they seem to make for a period led to a goal mm-hmm. that had an impact, a real impact on a game. You know, not like we're four up and he gives away a goal and you go, yeah, it happens, you know, it's just, that's fine. That's his mistake out of the way. Just went through a wee period in the Celtic game and stuff like that, where, you know, gives away a big, a big blunder. And then you start to question him and then inevitably people question mentality and stuff like that. And then he, you run up to that block of, ah, and he's still not won anything. And he's presided over some really big defeats as well. What I like about James Tavenier is he has had chances to leave. He's not, and that's probably because he's not stupid and he knows he isn't going to move to a club that's better than Rangers, right? But he's also come back from those defeats and continued to lead the club, impressed people like Steven Gerrard and all that as well to keep the captaincy, to keep the armband and to cement his place. The part about his performances and stuff like that and you know fans and the stats book the stats book will show that he had a great ratio and won nothing Mm -hmm. it's as simple as that which means by and large you're nothing so that's the stats book and we've covered maybe some of the the fans stuff as well I think James Tavenier is a good player he is a good player and his fitness level and his lack of injuries is phenomenal Mm -hmm. if you take those two things it's massive that is massive in itself I think Stephen Gerrard alluded to uh, <coughs> the game at the weekend where he was doing his uh, interview at the end on RTV, where he said he's missed something like two training sessions. Mm-hmm. That's it. Forget games. You know, just two training sessions. You know, the guy's the guy's a robot, and he is physically unbelievable in terms of getting up and down. Uh, you know, the wing and the, the amount of ground that he covers. That said, every single time you start talking about James Tavernier you end up on a road that gets you back to, and he's won nothing. And as a Rangers captain, if you, much like a Rangers manager, if you don't win stuff, you can never climb out of the, uh, he was all right box. You know what I mean? And this is his chance, I think. I, think, I agree with Scott. I think everything's in place. It's Steven Gerrard's three-year plan. There's been investment. There's a good feeling about the club. Um, we certainly capable of beating everybody in the league. And uh, it's a really good squad. James Dabney also has a wee bit of pressure on him from Nathan Patterson being there. This is, this is his chance. And if he can walk away with the league title, I'm really not interested in any other cups. 
mm-hmm. the league title. <clears throat> William says he goes up into the pantheon because that's a guy who's stayed the course, provided consistent numbers in our top tier, and ends up with an armband and a title. At that point, James Tavernier can do whatever he wants. Well, Tommy, you mentioned the game at the weekend there, so let's segue into it, shall we? Um, so, well, uh, Dundee United, obviously, we spoke about Dundee United in the last podcast and about the bitterness that's still there between the fans and stuff like that. And <clears throat> excuse me, um, I, 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 I'll, I'll be honest. For the first ten minutes, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, this could be a tricky wee game." Dundee United look okay, and then for the minute we scored the first goal, uh, honestly, it couldn't have been easier. You know, I think Dundee United came to have a go early doors. You know, they tried to high presses. They tried to see if we would give away the ball. Possibly that was on the back of Balligan having to come out in the warm-up and Hellander get in. Maybe they thought they could maybe catch us a wee bit cold there. But I felt a bit like yourself. Once that first goal went in, and it was a fantastic goal, you know. Yeah, again, some of our play in that game was very, very good. You know, the midfield players... Kind of threading balls into Haji, Haji's we nutmeg for Ken. You know, that's the sort of football we want to see from like our attacking players to hot teams to get in behind teams. Um, and yet again, like you just look at the course of the game, um, even like the last goal for Scotty Arfield, for instance, it's a ball out of defence, lovely spinning ball over the top. Haji, I mean, let's be honest, like he could have been greedy, he could have probably taken the defender on into the shot. But he doesn't, he looks up, he sees Arfield and he's inside, lovely pick out, and Scotty with a fantastic finish. And um, I think as we were saying before the pod started, I thought the subs were very good. You know, he probably took Barisic off for fear that Clancy was going to send him off. Aye, definitely. And then Big Bassey come on, and you know, when you see him running, you can understand why kind of guys take a sidestep away from him because when he puts his head down and he starts running, not many players are going to stop Bassey. And he's a big, powerful man. Yeah, Arfield comes on and gives the manager something to think about. I mean, I would have serious thoughts for Thursday night to make a few changes ahead of the league games. You know, I think it's important that we keep giving guys minutes when we can. I would start Scott in Thursday. I think he deserves it. I thought his impact off the bench was excellent. You know, yet again, it's his, it's his work rate as much as his ability that always impresses me with Scott. You know, he's never scared to get involved in the match in terms of the tackling, the heading, the tracking back. And it's a big part of how we want to play. Um, but other things to pick out for the game, I thought the two fullbacks were great, thought they were aggressive. But Stephen Davis, yet again, he's like the maestro. Mm-hmm. You know, you could probably get the deck chair out at times, some of the things that he does. And I've always been a huge fan of Stephen Davis. I mean, I remember when we got him in loan and then we signed him. I was delighted when we re-signed him. And yeah, look, he did have a bit of a sticky patch for a period last year. But as I've always said, people have always said to me, class will always be class. And that's what Stephen Davis is. You know, you don't play all the games for your country if you're not a good player. Even when he left Rangers, when we dropped down the divisions and he moved to Southampton, he was a very good player for them. And now he's come back up the road again to hopefully finish his, you know, his career with Rangers potentially and won a couple of league titles. And Stephen will go down as one of the best midfield players that I've seen. He's up there with guys like Alberts and 
your Ferguson's, your Van Bronckers, like sort of during the Advocat times. Stephen Davis is a top, top player. And, you know, the more that he's in the team, you always feel as though we can get the ball forward that little bit quicker, that we can open teams up better as well. And, yeah, again, I would dress him on Thursday night. I don't, I don't think there's a need to play him against the Imps, and that's no disrespect to them. I think we've got more than enough about us to, you know, to get by them without having to play our strongest eleven. I know you're relatively new compared to the rest as well on this podcast, and I haven't actually scolded you or gave you into trouble yet on the podcast, but I'm going to do it now, right? We're talking about the Dundee United game. We're not talking about the Red Imps game. So leave your comments until we've done the Dundee United game. Otherwise, we've nothing to talk about. Oh, it's just unacceptable. Shocking, Willie. Shocking. I will give you a yellow card, but well, we all know how referees go in this country. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, even looking back at that instant for obviously watching the game on my laptop because I was watching another game on the television, I was stunned that he didn't even give a foul. And when you look at some of the other decisions that he gave in the match, and some of the bookings, I don't care what anybody says. I don't I don't believe that an official goes out to have a huge impact on a football match. But Kevin Clancy said not just one or two or three bad games against Rangers. It seems like every time that he officiates, the Isler misses a pretty seriously bad tackle or he gives a really big decision against us. I've never been a paranoid person, I never will be, but that man is one of the worst referees in this country, and I'm amazed that he continues to get games, and he never seems to get like stripped and sent back down to a championship or a League One game. I don't understand how he continues to get games at this level. If you're going to miss that kind of challenge, and not even give a fill for it, you shouldn't be officiating at this level. Just not a chance. Well, I'll come back to Clancy in just two minutes, but Scott, the point I wanted to take to you was that the scary thing for me, and the really good thing, was that we annihilated Dundee United, and I still felt as if we had maybe two, three, four more years we could have went up. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it could have finished six or seven, I felt. Um it's been a long time since I think I've, I've watched uh, a Rangers game where all of the players involved comfortably got pass marks. So all your outfield guys were excellent. All of the guys that came off the bench added something to the game as the game progressed, particularly in the second half. Um, I know um, the boy Harks had a cracking effort that hit the bar um, that would have been a goal worthy to, to smash that record. To be perfectly honest, it was a great effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt in the second half, we we really could have put Dundee United to the sword. Um, the big Dundee United keepers made a few really, really good saves in the second half as well. Um, so, yeah, a couple of gears we could have went up without without question. Um, Stephen Gerrard, I'll be really, really pleased that it's another sort of game out the road. It's another clean sheet. Um, we're still sitting top of the league. Uh, and it's game time uh, for more of the guys so they're getting up to a, a better swing of things because we're moving into a really important sort of four, five, six weeks even European football trip to Easter Road for Park I think we mentioned and then we of course travel to the other side of the city um, a little bit later 
next month. Um, so a lot of big games coming. Stephen Gerald will want all of these guys to be getting as much football, much positive football in their legs as he can. Saturday is, is, a, is a, a good example for that. Do you know what I mean? Go out, get three points, enjoy the game, batter the net a couple of times. They've done that. And just to... Um... <clears throat> Sorry, my throat is killing me tonight. Just to, to bookend what you're saying there, Scott, and I've took that straight for Tommy. Straight for Tommy, I will learn. We have we have I'm looked bookend, so we have looked so much better since we changed that midfield that I told you all about, Scott, and you weren't yeah. having it. But well, no, anyway. I, I, no, 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 no. I'll come back <laughs> on that because actually, Gerard said at the end he actually referred to how they had played a four-two-three-one. Yeah, you set a trap for yourself, Gil Martin. Uh, <laughs> I don't listen to post-match interviews. <laughs> yeah, maybe he plays a 4-2-3-1, but the midfielders are getting much further up the pitch now. Well, you could argue that it's because the personality played. Exactly, which is my whole point. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, Tommy, we have to talk about it. The referee, Kevin Clancy, Willie's already mentioned it. Now, again, I'm the same as Willie. I don't think refs go out to be intentionally biased. Maybe there is some subconscious bias. I just feel as if the referees are extremely poor. And like we've seen at the weekend there, it can lead to some players getting some serious injuries. Yeah. So the, the challenge on Alfredo Morelos is a shocker. Uh, there's no two ways about that, right? It's a straight red. And you know you go at it in degrees, and I think you know, Willie referenced this as well. Kansi doesn't even give a foul. So let's forget red cards and yellow. I can't say it's a foul. So you're essentially just booting someone and and you get away with it. Um, I mean, Christ, even that challenge with Joey Garner against Aberdeen ended up a foul. <laughs> uh, punchline, remember? Um, and that's the only time I'll joke about this because Kevin Clancy is a danger to players. Yes. Given the things that he misses. And if you keep missing things progressively, now I don't obviously watch other teams' games, right? I'm only interested in Rangers. It's the only time I really see any other teams in Scotland, right? And then I find my lucky stars that I'm not a fan of those teams. Right? <laughs> so honestly, it's like going from steak to eating cardboard. So I don't know what he's like week in, week out, right? But I, I very much doubt that he can raise and drop his level. You know, it's, I think it's consistently terrible, right? And I don't think he's... I, I don't buy conspiracy theories and bias and all that type of stuff, right? I'm not really a big fan on that. What I feel that is, is because of the institution of the SPFL and the Scottish Referees Association, what is quite clearly an incompetent referee is allowed to referee in any game. And he is quite clearly incompetent, right? There's no two ways about that. The guy cannot do his job. And in any other walk of life, he would be managed out. This guy's on an action plan. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and then he's in the lift with his desk box, right, and hooked to it into the car park, smacked with his carriage clock, depending how long he's been there, and sent on his way. Unfortunately, he continues to go up the grades within the Scottish game. Now, what I would say, just to link back there, is I don't watch him week in, week out, right? What I do see, though, is the Rangers games, and consistently and progressively. He seems to miss bigger and bigger calls. And ultimately, Kevin Clancy will also be hung in the public opinion, or the jury of public opinion, the court of public opinion, the kangaroo court of public opinion. Um, that, that's me, that's all my court stuff. <laughs> um, with the interview he gave at the start of the season about 
10 in a row and we know what's, what's at stake. Now, you can then make an argument about, oh, he gave a contentious penalty or he allowed the last minute winner for another club or, or Rangers get denied or whatever. None of which should take away from the fact that a professional player and Alfredo Morelos, right, a minimum £20 million striker, right, Colombian international, a so-called hothead, right, is clearly booted by another player to the extent that it cuts a gash. And if anybody would have seen the, which they would have, they'll have seen the pictures and the images in real time when it was on RTV and later. It's such a deep gash, you can see that yellowish line of the fat in the muscle when you know it's a really deep cut. And the fact it didn't bleed as well, which is... When it cuts right through, then you've got an impact. And the the main worry then from a medical perspective is the internal bleeding part. Thankfully, it looks like Tomorello has got away with it. This is a professional player in the professional modern game that is then promoted as people seeing that, that you can boot another player to such an extent that you cut him in that way whilst making no real attempt for the ball, right? And this isn't a mistake, right? Edward's quite clearly meant to do it. And you can get away right in front of the referee because I don't buy the assertion that he was blocked off, right? You Michael Stewart is never wrong, Thomas. Well, you know, referee biomechanics or whatever nonsense, Michael Stewart. People should stop talking about Michael Stewart. That, that's <laughs> what it's just too easy. It, yeah, but it's just, he has got zero credibility. And again, mm. that's another, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rant here, um, Tommy's weekly rant, in that only in Scotland could a run-of-the-mill garden variety multiple knockback trialist who once got on the books of Manchester United never made it, right? Never made it in any of these loan spells, get hooked out the door, has never been sold for a transfer fee, has always been released by his clubs, had a couple of stints us, because I think it was here at boys club level, kicked out, then came back and get kicked out. Then find himself in a position that he is supposed to be the voice of football in Scotland. It's the spurious nonsense. Yeah. But it, he gets, gets credence in this game because he spouts the same thing in between trying to unsuccessfully like most of his career try to get a place in the, the Scottish Parliament but again I don't have the time to wax lyrical about what is essentially a, a non-entity with ginger hair right um, so the ghost of Scotland's past so to speak right so moving on from that is Kevin Clancy consistently allows this stuff to happen it tarnishes our game it endangers players and it does seem to be weighted that somewhere in his mind, potentially, he feels that he can't give any big call for Rangers. I also feel as well, and I didn't really see this reported anywhere, with that specific instant, and there was quite a few, right? But with that specific instant, I think some of it in the referee's mind was also, yeah, it's Morelos that's went down. All right, mm. so I'll give that a wee, I'll give that a wee bye, because you know what he's like. Well, what is he like? Is he a professional footballer who's an international for Colombia who doesn't tend to go down that easily, right? Maybe one or two aside that he was quite rightly called on. But he's a rough and tumble kind of striker. Anybody else goes down, the referee at least gives the uh, the foul for that. Absolutely shocking. And he should be hauled over the coals. Will he be? Will Edwards be retrospectively banned? Of course not, because we live in the cabal of Scotland and the SPFL will just say, let's all move on. Don't you know there's a pandemic on? Oh, it's, it's so frustrating, even for the most sensible of us. I see what I was going to say quickly on that, though. See if the referee looks at Morelos' leg and sees mm-hmm. that gouge. 
then the thought should be in the back, he said, oh, fuck, I've missed something here. And so why at that point would you not go and maybe ask the official on the far side or the near side and go, you know, did you see that? Did you think that was a bad tackle? Because he's got a gouge in his leg. You know, I didn't think it was that bad. What did you think of that? It was just what? the fact that he just almost nonchalantly let it go. Well, you know that and I know that, Willie. But you also know as well. So you know that's logical because it, it quite right, rightly is. That's the most logical thing that Willie's just said there. Right, I've spotted that. I'll go and have a conversation and make sure I've not... If I have dropped the ball, at least I can repair it. Mm-hmm. But you also know that with the majority of referees in this country, then the ego kicks in. Yeah, you know, I'm right. I don't change my opinion. I'll pick it up in the, I'll pick it up in the aftermath and I'll give an interview. Oh, that's right. The referees don't give interviews. It's okay. The SPFL will explain the decision. Oh, no, that's right. We don't do that in this country either. It's okay. Edwards will get picked up in the retrospective review. The compliance officer seems to have a bit of a blinker when it comes to anybody not wearing a blue jersey. There we go. So sorry to interrupt there, Willie, but I know it's logical, but I also, you know, you know exactly where that is. I know. No, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. But, can but I, also... Can I, just, can I just come in and say something on Clancy? There was one thing that, that really never sat well with me at all. So I watched the game on Rangers TV um, at the weekend, which, incidentally, the coverage of the weekend, again, Fantastic. Neil McCann, what a professional. Um, the, so Morelos is getting treatment. Um, so the doctors are waving the stretcher round, to, round the track to, to sort of get him up on the stretcher. And the Rangers TV footage is watching what's going on. Now bear in mind, there's been no red card. There's been no yellow card. There's been no whistle for a foul at this stage. All we've seen is Barisic getting separated from knocking Edwards out, I think, to all intents and purposes. However, the camera then closes in on Kevin Clancy and he's standing next to Edwards having a fancy wee conversation like you and I would have at a bar on a Saturday night. That didn't sit too smartly with me at all, them having almost a smirk and a laugh and a giggle. I'm not suggesting they were. But I thought at that point... Kevin Clancy should have went and stood somewhere away from anywhere. He should have been standing next to Morelos. He certainly should have been standing next to the guy who's put a hole in Morelos's leg. You know what I mean? That was wrong. It's been a really poor weekend for Scottish refs in this country. Um, the, the the other highlight of the weekend, if you like, was the Ryan Porteous catch at the weekend. There's more officials in the game just now than there are supporters. Unfortunately, at the moment, the anomaly is when they have a good week. That yeah. seems to be the anomaly. But Scott, just, just to bring it back to you, Scott, because... career as a volleyball player. Just to bring it back to you, Scott, on uh, Morelos' performance, yeah. because obviously Morelos came on for the injured Barker. Yep. We had Balogun injured before the game, so the injuries are starting to pile up a wee bit. But what did you make of Morelos' all-round performance, considering he's been left out the last couple of weeks due to his mindset? Um, looked hungry and eager to prove a point, I felt. From the minute he came out of the park, he harried everything. Harried everything. Um, I actually thought he looked he looked really sharp. You could tell that he's been working hard um, at Auckland Howie. Uh, I think I, I'm sure I read uh, Gerard said in the, the sort of pre-match presser that he'd only had a day off uh, all the time by his own volition was in getting fit, getting fit, practice, practice, practice. He looked like he was ready to go, uh, and you would hate to think that this thing 
at the weekend is, is going to be a little setback for him, to be perfectly honest. I would hate to think that um, this is going to lie him low for a couple of weeks because you would like to get him into uh, a wee trend of playing games again. I personally now don't think he's going to leave. <laughs> I, I don't think he'll leave now. Um, it's going to be like this every week, though. <laughs> I, I, but I think for for as long as for as long as he's here, and you know, I think I said this two weeks ago, he's the best striker we've got, and that includes Roof and Etienne and Defoe. Alfredo Morelos is our best striker. If he's fit and on form, he has to play. And if he continues to get a, a form that we, we became used to last season and he capitalises on the way he did play for the portion of time that he was on the pitch at the weekend, he's going to be very useful to Steven Gerrard and Rangers this season. It, it was good, Willie, to see Al, Alfie looking hungry, like Scott says, but also not looking as selfish. He was looking to get involved in the play and bring other people into the play. I don't know if that's got a lot to do with the way that we want to play now, but he did look as if, <clears throat> excuse me, oh, this is the old Alfie that we've seen for the last few seasons. Yeah, Albeit it's Brady just a, a wee bit of one game. Yeah, look, I thought he'd come on and look sharp. I think I think the one thing that's maybe been questioned recently is maybe his attitude. And that maybe he's not wanted to play or he's not wanted to come off the bench. But he certainly came on and showed exactly the attitude that you would expect from him. You know, that one, I think it was when he's tracked back, he won the tackle, and then we almost scored from it. I mean, I think that's Alfie... When he's at his best, when Alfie's head's in the game, a bit like what Scott's saying, he's brilliant. You know, he is the best striker we've got. My gut instinct is I think he still will go, but that's mm-hmm. just my opinion. I feel like if he was to stay, I don't know how it would maybe fit into the team because how often would Itton play and how often would we be able to use Defoe? So it sort of feels like the additions of Ruth and Itton were there because they still feel as well Fredo is going to go at some point and that they've made sure that they've got the players there. I mean, if he was to go on the last day of the window, you've still got Ittenen Roof and that's possibly how the manager's looking at it. But I mean, even just going back to the game, I thought Alfie was really good. His attitude was good. His movement was good. The Dundee United defenders couldn't really handle him. As you expect for Alfie, he's strong, can hold the ball up. His link-up plays improved massively since he's first game in Angels. You know, when Alfie does go yet again, he's he's a top, top young player. And if it is France, if it's like, I don't know, I think we talking about Fiorentina yesterday or the day before, you know, he's going to be a very, very good player, Alfie. And it's sad that in this country, he's probably not, you know, given the acclaim that he should because for some reason the press or certain people don't seem to think that he's good enough or they don't like him. Alfie is one of the best young strikers we've had in a long time. And he's up there with some of the best strikers we've had in terms of his all-round game. And, you know, when he does go, there's not like a an instant replacement for him per se. But hopefully that, you know, Itting can get the goals and Ruth can get the goals. But, I mean, if Alfie wants to stay, then, you know, that's even better for us because we then get quality attacking options every single week. And also, Tommy, a massive, massive mention for a man who I, I believe you had wrote off and I had wrote off, Scott Arfield, who, when he came on, looked like a brand new signing. Yeah, I, I was fairly critical of Scotty Arfield, you know, fairly recently. Good, and, you know, 
um, a few people were, including yourself as well, and it was right to be critical. He wasn't at the level that he, he was, uh, we, we were used to. He was playing pretty poorly. So, I mean, that's no bad thing. But he came on and he, he I think we touched on this earlier, you know, the, the depth of the changes and the fact that Rangers were able to, to keep that up. A small mention before I go on to Arfield, just about um, Morelos as well. I agree with the guys, and we've used all the right words here in terms of attitude and hunger and all that kind of stuff. I'll chuck another one in the mix, because who doesn't like more, more words, which would be intensity. And I thought the entire squad from the first moment, all right, it was a kind of bang forward first 10 and all that, but they all showed intensity. There was no outliers. Everybody was at it. And I, I don't know if they were just really fired up to keep the, the record, or set the record, I should say, but also put Dundee United in their place after some comments in the in the lead-up of how they were going to come and have a go. And it was the reignition of a, an old rivalry and all that kind of stuff. Okay, slap, 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 slap. Four <laughs> to the been eight, back up the road to uh, to Dundee. And, uh, you know, don't don't rob any houses on the way back. Um, I, you know, Mickey Mellon sent his tail between his legs a wee bit. But fair play, and, and also to fair play, to Mickey Mellon because he did set up to have a go and that might be the outlier you might not see that too often at Ibrox yeah. so you know, fair play to them like that but it's still done United and slapping them about is exactly what I, I like to see um, you know tangerine faces all round and all that kind of stuff but Scotty Arfield yeah I thought he looked I thought he looked really good uh, I thought he came off uh, the bench again with real intensity real quality as well his runs were really good and his finish looked natural and easy. That's a mm. bloody hard finish. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get me wrong, Hadji plays a lovely ball on the right. He could have snatched at himself because he's desperate for goals and confidence. But he gets his head up. Another good thing I like, like about Hadji is he's not, he's not that type of player to snatch at it and he doesn't go hiding. He's always looking for the ball. Um, but yeah, great finish. Scotty Arthur definitely put him in, uh, himself in the place for getting a starting berth against the Red Imps. And maybe trying to cement something else as well. He's got probably another good few weeks of setting an agenda for himself and an argument in Stephen Gerrard's mind, given that Joe Aribo is going to be out for four, four to six weeks, mm-hmm. and depending on what the uh, calf injury, I think it's a calf injury, depending on what the calf injury to Ryan Jack looks like, then some of that midfield, you know, so all of a sudden the rotation looks a wee bit different. I think if Davis can keep himself fit, depending on, you know, his fatigue and all that at his age. He'll be in there after that performance because it was fantastic. Going Kamara, I've already waxed Lyrico about. Okay, so then you're saying, well, I don't have a Joe Rebo and I might not have a Ryan Jack. Okay, Scotty Arfield comes back into the thinking as well. So uh, unless you mix it up with a deep line uh, itting or whatever. But uh, yeah, can't, can't speak highly enough. I thought he came off the bench and showed what he was all about. What I will say, um, going to say you know to bookend that but I'll say to caveat it is that one cameo appearance does not a player returning to form mate no and that goes for Alfredo Morelos as well Stephen Gerrard's shown them faith by putting them on the bench they've come off the bench they've done their job by making a statement of intent they then need to carry that into their training and the consistency to get back in we've all seen players who come on and do a wee bit of a turn and then die a death and both of those players 
Scott, I feel more so than Alfredo Morelos, who I do think will leave, uh, in all honesty. Although, if we get to the, if we get to the uh, end of the transfer window with Itton, Defoe, Roof and Morelos, I don't think anybody in the Rangers support is going to be complaining on the forums. Um, I don't think we're going to get messages into the podcast saying, watch this, four, four strikers, that's terrible. <laughs> um, then, yeah, they just, uh, you know, he has to, has to maintain the... The form, I think Morelos has got a wee bit more in the, in the tank there, but Scott Arfield I made a good case for himself, but he was playing really, really poorly. Mm-hmm. So let's see how that continues. And my top tip is I think he will start against the Red Dimps. There we go. Well, let's move on to the Red Dimps game then, um, Wally. And, <coughs> oh, gentlemen, I am struggling, so we'll need to make this very, very quick. Um, we've obviously spoke about this season, we want to win the league, not because of Asterix 10 in a row but just because we're Rangers and we want to win the bloody league again but obviously we're going to Europe on Thursday against Red Imps on a horrible plastic pitch against a team we should beat but again it's a one leg shootout so and and also the injury kind of injury problems that we're going to have so how do you see the game going on Thursday? Yeah well, I think we make maybe four or five changes I don't think it would change like the entire 10 outfield players I think that's probably overdoing it but I think there's like a good shout for maybe Bassey starting. I think there's possibly a shout for, as like Tommy said there, for Arfield to start. Could possibly change one or two others. You know, you don't want to overdo it. Sometimes when you change too much, it can then be difficult to, get, to keep the team being fluid. You don't want to change too much. I feel like we should come out and try and hit them early. You know, if you manage to get a couple of early goals, the game's done. And then after you know, your 55, 60 minutes, you take off the best of the guys that's on the team. So if it's Roof, you take him off. If it was Hygie, take him off, or Kent, etc. And you save the legs. Because we've got a tough next fortnight, you know, we've got the two European games and then the two away games in the league. You know, with the injuries potentially, you know, I don't know how bad it is with Ryan. You know, if Ryan was to miss all four games, then the midfield two... It will need to be tweaked at times because I don't see Stephen Davis playing like kind of four ninety minutes. So you would imagine that like Scott might need to come in there. Um, obviously, Glenn would come in there. I mean, he does have other options clearly, but I feel like you know we come out quick, we get the goal or the goals, we kill the tie, we save the legs, we look towards Saturday, and then you obviously look towards you know, the Villain 2A game, etc. And, and you start to I mean, as I say before the pod, I managed to catch some of the Villain 2A game against Herringsveen. They did look short in terms of match time. Um, a bit like we did in the first kind of week or two of the season. I think that's where we might catch some of these teams cold and that we're just a little bit further ahead in terms of match fitness. And that might be where we can hit the Red Imps and where we can hit Villain 2A in Europe. How important, Scott, is the game on Thursday for us? I mean, is Europe important this season? Uh, yeah, I, I certainly think so. I think I've said before, I, I would like us to to have a, a run similar to we had um, last season. And I think the fact that um, he has sort of improved the squad during the summer to, to the manner that he has, I think he quite fancies another crack at the Europa League, certainly. Um, you would fancy us on, on Thursday night, let's be brutally honest. It would be a, a huge, huge shock and immense disappointment if we weren't to progress. Um, 
You realise you just said progress there, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be fine. We'll be fine on Thursday. I would. I think Willie's. I would expect Bassey to start. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if George Edmondson's involved at, at some point during the game as well. Uh, we should dispose of these guys quite easily on Thursday. I think a lot will depend on um, how Gerard wants to line up at Easter Road on Sunday. He'll, he'll know fairly early on, I think, in the Red Imps game about who he's going to be able to rest as that game progresses with Sunday in mind. Uh, but they, they should be looking to the Red Imps game as a as an almost an easy win. They should take care of these guys and uh, and then look ahead to, to the game on Sunday. Tommy, do you share Scott's kind of optimism for Thursday? Yeah, I, th- I think I think you have to. You know, it would be a massive seismic shock where Red Imps to, to turn us over. Um, you're expecting us to, to win it by a good, clear couple of goals. What I will say in the back of my mind, though, is I do think all the circumstances and the plastic pitch away and all that, I think Red Imps will get some sort of bobbly corner that ricochets off people and they'll be the one that breaks our clean sheet record. <laughs> um, you know, you, you heard it here first, but by that point, we'll already be three or four up type type of thing. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think Willie's spot on as well. Come out early, bang the goals in, allow Steven Gerrard to do what he really wants, which is then make changes to give people 45 minutes, 30 minutes and get their legs up to speed, allow other people who will absolutely play against Hibs to get off the pitch and more importantly, get some of those players who perhaps aren't too sure on plastic pitches right off. I'm looking at Barisic. I'm in my mind, I'm slightly torn. I just get a wee sense that Bassey might start um, against him. But again, I'm counting on that in my own mind with the fact that you don't want to make too many changes and mm-hmm. Barisic is a phenomenal outball and his delivery is incredible. Do you just get him to start for the first half, get him to set up a few goals, hopefully, and pin them back and all that type of stuff? But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be overly disappointed if Bassey started, in all honesty. The guy looks like a freight train, but also quite quite talented. Um, he's wee Jen can run into the box when he came off the bench uh, against United. Looked like it had a, had a goal written all over it right up to yeah. the last minute. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if Itton comes back in. And it may be that we see people that we don't expect to, like Jordan Jones. Um, mm. who I did note was referred to in the press conference before the Dundee United game by Steam Gerrard's JJ. Now, I don't read a lot into those types of things, but he seems to have come in from out of the cold a wee bit. He's been round about match day scores. He's getting referred to by the JJ. He's on the bench every now and again. <laughs> Uh, that and I think there's not massive uh, offers for him. But yeah, do I think we'll, we'll, we'll pound Red Imps? Yeah, with, with no disregard to them or uh, with no lack of respect. But it's Red Imps, you know, yeah, we should turn them over with all the due worries that it's a one off game, still early in the season and all that. And they speak to your earlier question that you gave to Scott. Everybody would rip your hand off for a guaranteed title and we get thumped out by imps. I could take that humiliation if I knew I was getting the title. Anything other than that, we need to get by imps because we also need the money. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a big income stream for, for Rangers, so we need to get really to the group stages is the, is the short answer. You know, obviously, because we've got a new release date for the podcast, it'll go out on a Tuesday morning instead of a Thursday night. <clears throat> Excuse me. We won't preview the Hibs game because it's too far ahead. There's too many 
um, different things that can happen before then. So what I'll do, gents, is I'll ask you each for a prediction for the Red Imps game. Um, so I'll come to you first, Wally. Give me a prediction. I'll go for 3 nothing. Tommy? 6-1. Scott? 4 nothing Rangers. And I'll go 1-0. There you go. 1-0. We can yes. get this podcast, you. Oh, 1-0. Yeah. I'm saying 1-0. Was that 1-0 was that to Rangers or 1-0 to Red Ems, by the way? <laughs> uh, no comment. Oh, yeah. He's no, no, no. He's doing his tired. Honestly, <laughs> I, don't, I have to apologise to the listeners and the viewers. I don't know how my throat's managed to keep going. Um, but bad. listen, let's finish up, gents, on the... And a grand job under difficult circumstances. But. Very difficult circumstances, but however, I don't like to toot my own horn, but yeah, I'm very good. Um, so let's finish on the, the fantasy football Scotland. If anybody's on those podcast apps, this is where they would generally swipe left when, when, when they see you. I, I have to keep asking why we're so far down the list in the pod, and I think it's, it can't be because of me, can't it be because of the host. But, um, but listen, gentlemen, we went for much longer than I thought we would tonight. So let's finish on the fantasy football Scotland. And I can see Scott's scrolling at his phone. Yeah. Um, so I'll come to Willie Urban first. Willie, where are you in the This Is Ibrox League? I think the last time I had fell off one cliff and dropped over the one below. <laughs> fell off that one and went even lower. Because oh, so I had Joe Aribo in my team. Mm. And obviously, Joe's obviously injured, so that's been a bit of a, a blow. The only good thing for me is that I've got Connor Golson in at centre back, and he's my captain. So every time we win and keep a clean sheet, that's really the main reason I've had any points whatsoever. So, where about sorry, you in the league? I think I'm now down to like the bottom echelons. I wouldn't <laughs> like to give an exact number, but the very bottom echelons. Scott? Shite. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an actual position? <laughs> yeah. It's beneath last. Beneath oh. last? Oh, I, oh, I am. Listen, I'm having an absolute nightmare. However, as we say every week, at least my... Actually, no, I'm going to take it back. I was going to say at least my team... I don't have any Celtic players in it, but of course I do now. So, David um, Turnbull. I'm going to throw my phone in the back garden. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, right. The other two or two for you to give me a position. What's your position? Um, do you know what? I don't even think... I don't even think Google Maps could find my position. Um, <laughs> to be honest, um, I, I believe that I am sitting at zero credibility with any of my opinions after this. I have uh, sitting at the I, this is Ibrooks League, one thousand and fifty-eight. There you go. Well, I'm currently sitting one place lower than last week on three hundred and twenty-five. It's really, it's really difficult to see you for the way up here, gentlemen. It's... Well, just to, just, to, just to kind of showcase what I mean by how bad mine is, and that's a good score, Martin, by the way, well done. Um, I think when somebody was saying they've got, was it Willie was saying they've got Joe Rebo? Yeah. I just looked at my team and realised I had Joe Rebo as well. <laughs> I'm not been getting any points for him. So, He's my captain. Um, that's, the kind of, <laughs> that's the kind of manager I am. I'm an international manager. I look at my players once every six months. <laughs> I'll be I'll be brutally honest with you. I picked a team when it first started and I haven't even went in to look at the team. I couldn't even tell you who's in my team. So, but and at the top of the league as it stands just now, in third place we've got Rangers Circle with 447 points. 
In second place, we've got Kenny Gardner with 452 points. <clears throat> and in first place, we've got, again, Murdo McDonald with 464 points. I don't think any of us will even finish with that amount of points. I would bet that I won't get anywhere near 400, to be honest, as it currently goes. I'll be happy with 100. But I'll, have listen. Been, um, I'll have been moved upstairs. Um, yes. Use the, use the finger quotes. That's what they'll have made me a director of football by that point. <laughs> when I go Nanja. Just me and Kenny Dublish, international super scouts. That's um, that's essentially what's going on at this point. Is that before or after around the golf? Oh, obviously, obviously before. Have you seen any <laughs> two, yeah. two good Rangers, man. <laughs> uh, exactly. Should we hit the links? Um, but, uh, that's, that's exactly my uh, my style would be. Well, listen, Scott, Willie, Tommy, as always, it's great to have you on, and I apologise for my croaky throat this week, but for everybody listening and watching, the podcast is obviously available to view on YouTube and through the website at thisisibrookstock.co.uk, <coughs> and available to download where, Scott? The places that Thomas said earlier on. Yeah, and, and judging by your uh, judging by your throat, hospital <laughs> uh, as, as well, you know what I mean? Well, it's available to download on Spotify, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Google Play, Acast, iTunes, and where available, if you could leave us a five-star review, it would greatly help us grow. So once again, Scott, Wally, Tommy, thank you very much. Thank you for everybody watching and listening, and we shall speak to you next week. Evening. Bye. Bye.